If you've got your Bibles this morning, you can uh, open it up to John 11. We're going to look at several verses this morning. Uh, first thing is you need to know about this little thing is, is that in John chapter 11, toward the end of the chapter, we discover that an event happened in John 11 that sort of turned the key it, sort of, it really started the, the last piece of the clock ticking uh, that caused Jesus to be crucified. And it sort of gets lost. It's not recognized as that. How many of y'all remember the story about Lazarus? You know, Jesus raised him from the dead after four days. Well, that thing made a lot of people, I'm talking about the Jewish leaders and such, made them so mad. The scripture says that it was that thing. He said at that time they, could, they began conspiring how to kill him because they hated Jesus so bad because he raised Lazarus from the grave. And this week I, I, I read the story and it occurred to me that there's so many things, there's, there's so many storylines in this thing, these, these four days that uh, happened. In John chapter, there's so many storylines and so many great lessons to be learned. I just, I don't, I just overlooked it. I hadn't paid any attention. And so I want to, I want to share with you a few things that I learned about John chapter 11, about uh, the events of these four days. I think maybe you can relate to. I know I did. I'm glad I, I'm glad I landed there this week. Now let me begin this message by saying this. There's a lot of people today who, <laughs> I may find a good way to put this because I can't, I, I don't want it to sound so bad awful, but I, just, I need to start it out this way just sort of to set, our, set the stages of our mind. There, there's a lot of folks today who their lives have changed in such a degree in various circumstances, that they think their life is over. That it can't get any worse. And that it'll never get any better. And there's nothing I can do about it. And they kind of give up. And one of the things about when we get to that point that we fail to mention many times, and I want to mention this today, when we get to the place where we think everything's over and it's can't get any worse, and it's never going to get better. Did you know that is the point at which we sort of, in, in, in many cases, we're just locked down spiritually. And we absolutely, at that point, will fail to see the glory of Jesus and the power of God in our life concerning what He wants to do. I mean, there's going to be this mental and spiritual block that we can't get beyond because we think this event or this situation is like the end of the world to us. It's the end of life as we know it. And so the whole point of this message today is to encourage you to not be blinded by what you believe to be the state of your hopeless situation, thinking that things are never going to get better. 
and not really being able to see or believe that which Jesus has spoken concerning you. Is that going to help you any? It's going to help. It helped me. Let's start right here. John chapter 11. We'll be starting verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. How many of y'all know that sickness can kind of kind of make you think your world is over? Especially if it happens to you or someone you love and maybe it kind of looks bleak for them. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And I think the King James read, uh, reads, uh, Lord, the one you love is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Leave it right here just a second. Now, we know that Lazarus died. And I don't know the exact timeline. It is possible that Lazarus was, was already dead. Okay? It's possible because later on in the Scripture it says that two days later Jesus said, let's go where Lazarus is. And when he gets there, you know, if it was a day's journey, it would be the correct timeline. But when he gets there, it finds out that Lazarus has been dead four days. So I don't know. But anyway, Lazarus was sick. His sickness actually resulted in him dying. Any of you who've ever lost a loved one knows that at that point you feel like your world has ended to a degree. It's just kind of over. and It's hard to get past that grief. But Jesus... Knowing all things said that his, and this is sort of, this is a prophetic statement. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now Jesus didn't say Lazarus will not die. He said Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Lazarus died but he didn't stay dead so therefore Jesus' statement's correct. See that? So Jesus is making a prophetic announcement. He's calling that which is not, even as it were. This is the power of your words. This is why you need to be careful what you say. You need to be careful what you condemn in your life. You need to be careful what you pronounce death on. You don't need to give way to the enemy to allow him to let you speak something. That's death. You need to speak life. Okay? But he says, no, it happened. <laughs> it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory for this. Now, in, in this grammatical statement, Monica is, our, is, is my resident uh, English teacher, and she just, there she is. Now, it happened. He's speaking here as if it's already taken place. Lazarus' death, right? This is why I said when he received word, Lazarus could have already been dead. And if we take this grammatical statement the way it's written, then Lazarus was already dead even when Jesus received the news. 
No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. Next one, please. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, the thing I want to say about the first four verses at the beginning today is this, is that when all looks bleak and it all looks like it's come to an end and it looks like there's no hope and it looks like your life story has reached an ending and it's never going to get better, I want you to know this morning that there is another chapter God intends for your life. Now, today, not tomorrow, He has another chapter that's already been written for your life today. And this is not the end. And we must never ever receive the bleakness of today and today's news to make us think that our life story ends here. And I can look every single one of you in the eye today and I can tell you that your life story does not end today. There is another chapter out there that Jesus has already spoken, that He's already died for, that He's already redeemed, that He's already given life to, that you can't see. You're just waiting to live it out because He's coming. He's coming. And the way we have to look at it is this, is that God has an unseen glory that has been built into your life story. And I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it just happened that way. God has an unseen glory on your part that is built into your life story that He's waiting to reveal. Now to me, I could stop right here and go home and that would be enough food for me to go on for several days. Because buddy, I'm telling you, that's powerful. It's here in the Scripture. Just read it. It's not a lie. It's the truth. That's the application of this. Jesus is saying that although Lazarus is dead, he's not going to stay dead. Now Mary and Martha, Martha in particular, later on in this chapter, uh, she made that statement to Jesus and she said that we know, Lord, they're not gonna, he's not going to be dead, but he'll be raised in the general resurrection. And it's like Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. This man's going to live now. See, that's the place that Jesus was getting to. This man's going to live now, not later. He's going to live now. now I want you to know you're, you're going to live now. You're alive now. You've been resurrected already. There was a dead man and a dead woman in your life. And when Jesus came into your spirit and gave you new life, that old passed away and the, old, and the new became new. And, 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 and you're, you're, you're here already. You see? And there's going to be, just, there's going to be a flash of time. Boom, this quick. If, if you die before Jesus comes, there's going to be a flash of time. Just boom, that quick. Where you're going to step out of this life into your real life. And it'd be cool if I could tell you exactly point by point, layer by layer, color by color, play by play, what that thing's going to look like, but I don't really know. But I can tell you this, it's going to be good because Jesus said it was paradise. <laughs> paradise. But you see, that's not what, we don't need to let that end of it be the ultimate desire of our heart. Oh, I can't wait till that day. 
when I cross Jordan and get to my mansion and my rocking chair and all the fried chicken and dumplings I can eat, have a big swimming pool, I can swim anytime I want to, or I can fish. You know, not that. That's a good thing. But what we need to focus on is because He's given us that, and it's a reality, we need to live today in the glory He's written for our life to demonstrate. See, that's the thing. And we've got to get there. I think we're getting there, but we have got to get there. Verse 5. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. In verse 5. You know... A little bit later on, we kind of get to the place where we, we, we have an indication of what Mary and Martha and the other people who knew Jesus really thought about his absence, where Lazarus was. But the scripture says here that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But it also says he waited two days. And then he decided to go. I don't know what was going through the mind of Martha and Mary and all the rest of them back wherever they were. But do you think that maybe just a little while we could consider the fact that they could have got feeling kind of mully grubby and they said, you know, if he would have loved us, he would have been here by now. Because he knows we sent messengers could you think they began to pour mouth just a little bit and at least began to think in those terms? But the scripture says Jesus loved him. Listen, in the places where Mary and Martha were these days and their friends, when you think that life as you know it is over, or when I think life as I know it is over, we must remember that we must always trust in the unfailing love of Jesus. Just because he didn't go two days in advance or three days in advance does not mean he didn't love them. It really meant that he loved them enough not to go. Because if he had went, he would have robbed God of the glory that God was going to receive by having one raised from the dead in this fashion. So really, Jesus loved them. He stayed away because he loved them. Have you ever been in a place in your life, maybe you are now, where you wish Jesus would have showed up three days ago? Because he loves me, and if he loves me, he would have showed up three days ago instead of tomorrow, maybe, or today, maybe. Well, you know what? You may be in that two or three day period where you can cultivate understanding the condition of your heart and understanding the condition of the life you're around so that when he does show up the glory of God that final unseen unwritten chapter will begin to be read so I want to give you some encouragement if you today are in that place I want to encourage you that whatever you do, never forget that Jesus has an unfailing love for you. Never let the enemy tell you that 
because you may not see him showing up today that he doesn't love you. You see, that's one of the things he wants you to question in your life. And I promise you, every single one of us are going to go through those days and those periods at some point. And it's not comfortable. When everything seems to be wrecked and ruined or in the process of being wrecked and ruined, it's not comfortable. But remember, He loves you. He loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus enough to stay where He was for two days. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to stay two days when they were hurting so bad? I don't think it was easy. Let's go a little bit further. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus said, yep. <laughs> Basically what he said, there are 12 hours of daylight and every day during the day people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night there's a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. <laughs> oh, boy. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go see him. Third thing I want to mention to you this morning is that nothing escapes his attention. He knew Lazarus was dead and he made that pronouncement. And also that nothing escapes his power. Because he was going to raise this man from the dead. The other thing I thought curious, and for your sakes I am glad I wasn't there because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go see him. You know how weird this is, what he said? This will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Here's the application. It's, it's easy sometimes to believe in Jesus and believe the promises of God when everything's going well. But when things aren't going so well, it's easy to stop believing in Him for the next thing. Or in their case... Lazarus had died. It was easy for them to believe that Jesus could have healed Lazarus' sickness before Lazarus died. But here's sort of the punchline of that. It was not easy for them to believe that Jesus had the power to raise him from the dead. Now the application to our life is this. It's easy to believe in Jesus up to a point. Sometimes we believe Jesus can do this, and he can do this, and he can do this, and he can do this. But by, by the posture of our lives, and sometimes by the words of my, our mouth, when it gets to that really big thing, 
when it gets to the thing that makes us think our little world's come to an end, then it's hard to believe Jesus for that because the reality of the current situation doesn't lend itself to it. And so Jesus says, this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. And if we were all honest with ourselves this morning, we would probably say that we've been to the places in life, maybe currently are, that we've got to the place where we need to believe in him again. We need to believe in him again. And in these hard situations in life, the place you find yourself in, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but the place you find yourself in, Jesus is, is gracious and He's going to give you an opportunity in this situation to believe in Him again. Now, just I'm going to kind of step aside for the message a minute and make a, make a comment. Sometimes people believed in Jesus because of what he said. Sometimes they believed in him because of supernatural revelation. Sometimes they believed in him because of the miracles he did. Okay? Now, these disciples, as Jesus had called them, every single one of them, when Jesus met them and he said, Come follow me, every single one of them got up and followed him without exception. But as many things as they saw him do, and here's the thing to write up, as many things as we see him do in our lives, time after time after time again, there comes a place in our life where he will do something remarkable just so we can believe in him again. He just doesn't do something one time that's remarkable for us and quit. He does something, he does things, different things over and over and over and over and over again just to keep our <laughs> belief level intact. I need that. See, sometimes I need him, I need him to, to currently come in my life and do something that will cause me to believe in him again. And yet other times in your lives, in the life of every single one of you, I know some of you better than I do others, but I'm telling you, when God begins to work in your life and you get to a place where you think your life is over, I can come to believe in him again by watching what he does in your life. And see, that's part of the benefit for us having fellowship together. Is that what he does in my life that causes me to believe in him again. And when I give testimony, it helps me, but it also helps you. <laughs> um, one of Kirk and Becky's nieces. Which one was it Friday night give testimony? Justine had testimony time Friday night. We have to do that every once in a while because testimony is a good thing. She got up and told the story about how her daddy had been unemployed. And he went to school two years to be a welder. And he started looking for jobs and he couldn't find any. He went to nine interviews and was turned down. He went to the tenth interview and he got the job. And part of the testimony is this, is that... When he got the 10th job, he found out that that one paid more than all of the other nine. You see? Now in the life of that family, they've now come to believe in him again. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, but there is the thing that brings life and freshness back into their experience. And, 
And it makes the world look better because I'm telling you, if you've been out of work a long time or you've been going to school and, you know, school brings debt and all that other kind of stuff. But if you get to the place where God does something extraordinary and you go nine times to a dry well, but you go there the tenth time and there's just an overflowing abundance of water, you get happy in that. And see, God saved number ten for him. (laughs) Boy, that's good to me. Saved number 10. What if he'd give up at number 9? It didn't happen though, did it? But sometimes we just don't get it, do we? Let's go down to verse 20. Jesus now going into uh, Judea, gets to Bethany. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. This is cool. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, here we go. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Here we go. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this Martha? She was put to the test. Do you believe this Martha? Some of you are rising up now. (laughs) Some of you are rising up now. Feel like you've been in the grave for four days. Feel like you're at the point where you're stinking, you're putrid, you're nasty. It's not going to get any better. Where you're bound up, where you can't move, where you can't talk, where you can't do anything. Some of you feel like you've been in the grave for four days. I'm telling you, Jesus is at the door. You hear me? Jesus is at the door. He's not going to leave you in the grave where you are. Some of you can give testimony to the fact that you've been in the grave. You have an experience where Jesus was at the door and he calls you to live again. Next slide. Slide. Ain't no slide. Jesus, Lord. Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God, then she turned. She, she returned to Mary, and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, "The teacher is here and wants to see you." So now, Mary goes. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. Oh, I got a crowd gathering now. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not die. She said the same exact thing that Martha said. And the conversation ended there. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. You see... When Jesus now was at the grave, 
Two sisters who had been mourning for four days. Two sisters who the cry of their heart was, and it's almost an accusation against Jesus, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Some of the people in the group later also said the same thing. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Blame was being put at the wrong place. Listen, if something bad happens in your life, don't you blame Jesus about it. You know who you need to blame? You need to blame the devil, the liar, the enemy, the one who has brought death into the earth, the one who's the fallen angel, the one who has no future and no hope and no life in God. The one, who has, the one who has hurt men and women and families down through the ages. You look there to lay the blame. Don't you lay the blame at Jesus' feet. Whew, that felt pretty good. That must have been for me. Because how many times do you say, oh Jesus, you this and you that and you should have the other. And all the time he's just waiting to reveal glory in your life. And sometimes the waiting period in our life is like when you have a splinter in your finger. How many of y'all ever have a splinter in your finger? And you get, you get, you go to your, your, your wife or your husband or if you're a kid, you go to one of your parents. You say, I got a splinter in my finger. And he or she or they will say, let me go get a pen. I used to hate this. Mama would go and she would get a, she'd take a needle and she'd make me watch her. She'd take that needle and she'd hold it out and she'd go find her a box of matches. And what would she do with it, y'all who've had experience? She would burn the needle. And I'm thinking, what are you doing that for? I asked her, what are you doing that for? She said, I'm sterilizing the needle. And I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm seeing the tip of that thing turn black and I'm thinking, no, you're not sterilizing that needle. There's ashes and burnt stuff on the end of it. And you're going to put that in my finger. How many of y'all had a mama like that? I had a mama just, I still got her. Bless her heart. I wouldn't dare let her get near me with a needle now, though. Because her eyesight's not what it once was. And then dig, start digging in that thing. And how many times y'all got part of it out but couldn't get all of it out? Oh, man. That's just, that just adds insult to injury. You know? You're crying and you're shaking and gritting your teeth and oh gosh it's a horrible thing but then what's left in there it has to fester it has to soar it has to come to the surface and in just a few days it'll just boop, pop out well maybe this four day period was to allow that thing to just whatever was on the inside to just boop, pop out there it was and so Jesus seeing Mary and Martha and all the friends in the community standing there at the graveside. And, and he's, he's staring straight at the stone over the tomb of where Lazarus was. And it wasn't, you know, we bury people down here like this today. They buried people that way. It's kind of like a cave or a hole in, the, hole in the stone or a hole in the side of the hill or whatever. And he's standing there looking at that thing. And all of a sudden, something beside him begins to boil. And it grows, and there's turmoil, and there's tension, and there's anger. There's a, there's a holy righteousness that's coming out of Jesus. And you know what this is all about? The scripture says Jesus wept, and he's standing there, and he's looking at this, and he understands everything that's going on. And the weight of the entire thing begins to bear on him. You know what's going on here? You know what made him so angry and what made him cry and weep and this, this, this volcano-like eruption of the power and, and the righteousness of God. And you know, what caused, you know what caused all that? 
We could probably identify several things, but the one thing that's always been dominant in my life is that Jesus came into this world to die on a cross, to be put in a grave, to gain victory over death, hell, and the grave. And in order to save those which God had given him who would receive life from him when he came. And that tomb was illegally holding somebody that Jesus died for that was not meant to die at the time. And he's mad. He's mad at the devil. He's mad at the power of death. He's mad at the power of sin. This is, he's mad, but he's not sinfully mad. He's angry. And I'm, Can I just skip the rest of this and get into it? You read the rest of this. You need to. But he's standing there, and all this is welling up within him. And he, said, he asked a question. He said, where did you lay him? Do you think he not knew where he was laid? I guarantee you he was looking straight at it. He wasn't confused. He was zeroed in on what he came to do because he'd been waiting four days to do this. And I'm sure they said, there it is, Master. There's the tomb. He said, roll the stone away. It was a command. It was not a suggestion. It was not a question. It was a command with an explanation at the end of it. He said, roll the stone away. And somebody got up or some bunch of somebodies went up and rolled the stone away. And then he said this, he said, Lazarus, come out of there. Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, out of the darkness, out of the abyss of that tomb, from the back of it, all of a sudden, out come a bundle of grave clothes. How many of y'all seen The Mummy, the movie? Okay, not just... Just to get you in the frame of mind, this is what it looked like. Because in the preparation for burial, they would take the dead body, put spices on it, and they'd just wrap them all up, you know, with all this gauze-looking stuff and oil and things like that. And, and, and the girls, the sisters objected and said, Lord, he's been in there four days, he's stinking. Now, what do you think that did for the folks who was going over there to roll that stone away? They're saying, oh, my God. But they went anyway. He called Lazarus to come forth, and somehow or another, Lazarus made it, to the, made it out of the tomb. And this is what Jesus said. He said, loose him, or unwrap him and let him go. Ah. Now, I guess the same people who rode the stone away, they were the closest in proximity. I guess they had to do that. I don't know. But I bet they're thinking, oof, what's this going to smell like? <laughs> Nasty. But you know what I think happened? I think when they rolled that stone away and they went up to Lazarus to unwrap him, they didn't smell anything but a sweet smell. I bet you the only thing they smelled was the fragrance of the frankincense and myrrh and the oils they put on Lazarus. I bet you there was not even any, I'm going to just be graphic here, there was not even any stains on the wrappings from bodily fluid that would, that would find its way out of the body after four days. And I bet you, as they began to unwrap that, probably the first place they began to unwrap was the head because the head was wrapped separately with something called a napkin, face covering. As they began to unwrap it, 
Now you see the little hair. See the eyebrows. Took this piece off of the eyes, and all of a sudden, his eyes popped open, and he began to look around. You know, that got to be spooky a little bit, don't it? I mean, just let's be honest. It's got to be spooky. How many of you ladies would have done that? Some of y'all probably would, because some of y'all weird. You're not that weird, are you? Natasha would have probably been the first one up there. She'd been one of the first ones anyway. Let me at him. I'll do it. His eyes popped open. Yeah, you know something going on. So, so if, if you really believed, if this was one of those things when you didn't have to believe again, but you simply believed, started unwrapping that, his eyes had opened, and it comes down his nose, and you could see he's breathing, his air coming out of his nostrils, and keep continue unwrapping. And you unwrap him down to his, to his uh, chin, and all of a sudden he smiles. A big smile. You know, about that time, folks started getting happy, didn't they? And what happened then? The next chapter in the life of Lazarus began. The next chapter in the life of Mary began. The next chapter in the life of Martha began. At a point where they thought their life was over just moments. I'm talking about not minutes, but just seconds before them. When they thought their world was ended and they sort of halfway kind of blamed Jesus for it all. All of a sudden, the next chapter of their life was plain and it was clear and it was full of joy and blessing and hope and peace and excitement. That's what happened in the flash of a moment. Because Jesus had arrived at the graveyard. And he literally turned their mourning into dancing. Don't you know some of those people had to dance? Don't you know some of them had to shout? Don't you know some of them just, just was smiling and laughing and clapping their hands? Because his friends had gathered around that place. I would hope that if it were me in there and I come out and y'all were gathered there, I'd hope you got happy. I'd hope you had a party. And I'd have been saying, hurry up and get these things off of me. I need to dance. I need to shout. I need to do something. Get this stuff off me. I don't need this. It does not belong on me. I'm telling you here today now, Jesus called out Lazarus' name specific in that tomb. And if he hadn't, every single person in that graveyard would have come out. But he specifically called Lazarus to show and to demonstrate the glory of God that had been planned for this moment from before the creation of the earth. And I'm telling you now, Jesus, if you feel like you're in a tomb today, if you feel like you're in a graveyard, if you feel like your life is over, if you feel like they've done written your obituary and there's no hope and there's nothing left in your life, I'm here to tell you now, Jesus has already stood at the door and He's already commanded the stone to be moved away and He's commanded life and He's calling you now to come out of that grave. He's saying, Chris, come out. Loose her. Jeff, come out, loose him. Jay, come out, loose him. Jason, come out, loose him. Janie, come out, loose him. Jesse, come out, loose her. Can you hear Jesus today overriding every single circumstance and every event in your life and all that four days worth of junk you went through? A place where you're spiritually just, you feel like you've been cut off. Can you hear Jesus today? I'm telling you, he said, come out and loose him. And loose her. I'm telling you now, you've been loosed.
You were not meant to be in a grave. You were meant to sit on a throne in the presence of God forever, which includes now, which includes everything hereafter, which includes all of eternity. You're not meant for a grave. That's why Jesus went there and cleared the way for you. That's why when he stood in front of that thing, he was just as mad as mad could get because he was angry at the enemy. And he was angry at death for the pain and the sorrow and the hurt and the separation that had been going on ever since man and woman fell in in the garden. And it was that passion that he had to lose that one man to prefigure what he was going to do to you and to me. It was that passion that took him to the cross to die for you. That you could be a part of that passion whenever he comes into your life and saves you. He put a seed in you. Put a seed in you. I'm telling you now. You are entering into the chapter of your life that you thought would never be written. I'm going to tell you this. It's never been easy. It's always been a struggle. But there is a power that you have now that's going to override and overrule every single bit of that. Something that you could not do for yourself but that He has done. And something that He is going to do. See, that's the kind of Jesus you serve. And this is a cliche. Okay, it's a cliche. But he's never late. He's always on time. He's never late. Even though it's been a day since you prayed to him. Even though it's been two days since you prayed to him about a thing. Even though it's been three. Even though it's been four. Jesus says you're not made for a grave. You're made to rule and to reign. And the scripture says because of this, some folks at that graveyard, some of those now believed in him. So you see, Jesus and God had more of a purpose and plan at that moment than just to raise one man. There was people who needed to see this so they would believe in Jesus and be saved. And see, that's what he's doing in your life. He's doing stuff in your life so that people can watch the miracle in your life, so people can watch the change in your life, be drawn to Jesus and be saved. See, that's the bigger picture. That's why he used somebody else to roll the stone away. He was allowing people to participate in what he was doing. That's the reason why he used people to wrap the grave clothes off of Lazarus, because he uses people in an evangelical way, to go out and to save people. (laughs) Isn't that glorious? But you're not meant for a grave. You're meant for glory. We'll go ahead and do this. You know, if you're here today and you've never made a profession of Jesus, if, you know, if you see that Jesus is what you need, if that's been revealed to you, and God always reveals your need of Him through the power of the Holy Spirit, you see, salvation and new birth, all that's a miracle. That's supernatural stuff. 
if you're here today and you want Jesus, I'm telling you, he's available. He's present. You don't have to wait. Help ain't coming. Help's here. Help is here. Let's stand up just a second. If you're here today and you've heard your name called, if, if this has made any sense, you've heard your name called, and he's called your name, he said, come out of the grave, come here, loose him. If you've heard him say, loose him or loose her, then you're loosed. Won't you come? Won't you come and commit him? You know, he's committed everything to you. And begin to learn about his power and his grace and his glory about all the things that he's set up for you to access. Don't you want to learn about the last chapter of your life, the one that starts today? Or maybe I should say the next chapter. Don't you want to learn about that? Then come. Let's pray. But if, you, if, if he's called your name and you've never responded, we want you to come. Jesus wants you to come. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you just come. Father, we thank you that you went into a graveyard and you called Lazarus out. We're thankful, dear God, that you've done the same with every single one of us. You've called us out and you've blessed us to hear your voice and you've blessed us to see your plan. And we believe, dear God, that this is the time that we come to the place where I'm just going to say this, no more games, no more charades, no more masquerades. No. We've come to the place where we surrender in Jesus' name. Yes, we surrender in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for what you did in that graveyard so long ago. But we thank you for what you did in our graveyard. Lord, I thank you for what you did in my graveyard. And I really don't have to go back there. <laughs> Jesus' name.